Thank you. Um, well, tonight I want to start off by saying some of this will be part of my testimony from over the past couple weeks from Ramp, from the week before when David Cuppa was here. And it's just a lot of questions about what God was asking me and what he told me and what I, what I was asking him. So I guess we should start. My first point is, why me? God has often asked me to do things, and I'm just like, God, why do I got to do that? And there's just questions that follow, but he's always telling, like, I always say, I'm going to do it later, I'll do it later. And it took me to watch Hayden save somebody and give them the Holy Spirit, and he was just like, see, you just disappointed me. I need you to take a step. And then I told him, God, I'm scared. God, I'm scared. And... There's this verse that's been going, that Lance has been saying is 2 Timothy 1.7. I don't know. Oh, there it is. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a power and, a, and love and a, of a sound mind. And he's just saying, fear does not exist in my world, and it shouldn't exist in your life. And he was also saying, the devil, it, the fear is of the devil. And the devil comes and he says, I don't have anything to use, so I'm going to work and make fear in your life so that I can stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And, like, I used to be scared to come up here in the front and just say, God, I'm going to give you all I have. I'm going to praise your name. And I think last Saturday, was it, Hayden? At Ramp? Um, he really just broke that chain of me not feeling able to just do what I need to do for praise and worship. But I still kept fighting. And Psalms 121.8. The Lord shall preserve your, out, your going out and your coming in from the time forth and even forevermore. And it's saying that whatever you do, God has your back. That's what it says to me. And whatever you're going to do, God knows what you're going to do. And he's going to make it so you're able to do that. <sighs> Not that hard. And then my second point is God is never easy. If God said, if it was easy, would there be a God? And how would we know the difference between love and secular love? And God was saying, I was asking God, God, why is it so hard to do what you want? And I was like, God, can't see all this. And he was just telling me how he makes it hard so he can know that we're able to follow him when we need to. We are able to jump when he asks us to jump. He's, we're able to run when he asks us to run without question. In 1 Kings 15, 11 through 15, Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David. And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. Also, he removes, I can't say that name, his grandmother from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of, I can't say that name either. And Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it by Brooke Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was low to the Lord for all his days. He also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated and the things with he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils. Well, for I, what I get from that is Asa took what was hard and what his father did because 
as a young, I think all of us boys like to follow what their fathers do. So being able to take down something that your your earthly father had done, sometimes it can be pretty hard. And like, and then he had to banish his grandmother. Like, if I had the choice to banish my grandmother, it'd have to be something serious. Because my grandmother, if she was still here, I'd be like, where my sugar at? Come on. But Asa, it for, for me, looking and reading about him shows me how if he can do that, then I can tell my dog to go outside and stop disobeying my mom and doing stuff that she doesn't want. And just being able to burn down all those walls and bridges that I put up to block God from what he wants from me. My third point is, how does God use us? God has often used his followers to get to other people. If you've paid attention, he's used other people to spark revivals. He doesn't directly just, there's a revival going on. We have to, because most people don't see it from God because they just, they don't want to open their eyes. But for me, God has used David Cuppet multiple times. He's just come, he's just showed me how to worship Jesus. And then I've taken it from there. And he's used me, he's used some of the youth to go step out and talk to other youth, to other adults. And he's used ramp from a lot of people too. But for me, is I've always just been scared to walk up to somebody and say, you know, Jesus loves you. And another scripture God has used is Philippians 4.13. It reminds us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ strengthens us in such a way that if we didn't know he was there and it, he wasn't strengthening us, we probably would like be crawling everywhere like worms and not being able to use our minds, our hands, or whatever he's given us. And But for me, it was always just a thing of fear and not being enough. That's also what it stopped me. And then God blessed me with this scripture, 1 John 4.4. 4. You are God. You are of God. Little children have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than who he is in the world. And it just showed us how much God has just stepped up and just been there every time when, like, say, you're a little piece of dirt compared to God. And he wants you to be moved from point A to point B and maybe back to point A or C or D, whatever. And it just showed us how God has just been in us and helped us move, helped us create something for him. Like this church, the founders of this church, he was there and he created this church. He, he worked through Pastor Jerry to be able to work from wherever he was when he was a kid. I'm going to talk about that. And to who the man he is now and the church he has built. But God wants us to know that we are enough and that you should never feel like, oh, God told me to do that. I'll do that later. If he asked you to do something, just jump up, stay. Now, God, I'm doing it now. God, I'm doing it for you. And then another verse he's blessed me with, John 14, 8. I don't know if I gave that to y'all. But it says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. What he is saying is that wherever he goes, he's going to bring us. And wherever we go, he's going to be there with us. For never, never have a doubt that he's not going to be with you. Just always know God's with you and God's always there. I think that's all I got for today.
yesterday I was talking with my mom. Wherever. Oh, there you are. I was talking to her about this, what I was going to preach about, and I had a whole message. I had points. They were great. You know, and then today, on the way to El Dorado, I heard a song. I don't know if y'all know it, but it's called Yes, I Will. Y'all know it. And it says, um, yes, I will. Um, <laughs> in the lowest valleys. Yes, that's what I was trying to get at. But so God started speaking to me, to me about that. And tonight I'm going to talk to y'all about worship and why we should worship. So um, so the first part um, of my message is going to be a little bit weird. <laughs> um, so... Have you ever been to a basketball game or a football game and you see those crazy fans with the, their face painted and they're jumping up and down when they um, make a touchdown or make a basket or whatever? And, you know, they're just going crazy. Or have you ever been to a concert? Jessica. <laughs> um, and you see those girls and they're crying and their arms are stretched out reaching for the celebrity. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> but... Um, why do you think that people? Um, why do you think that people obsess about those things that they are that they have physical responses to? It's because they worship them, and we, as humans, we are worshipers. It's what we are created to do. It's what we were made for. It's why God made us to worship Him. So, what do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your time thinking about? Giving the majority of your attention to? What do you worship? Um, in Romans 12, 1, it says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. And to me, that means, what should our proper response be to God's marvelous mercies? All his mercies that he gives us, he forgives us for everything we do. Um, so God, he doesn't need some kind of perfect, complicated worship. It doesn't have to be all put together perfect. And if that's what you think that worship is, then you're missing out on what worship is all about. Worshiping God is so much more than just singing a song in church. And you should worship God even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't like the song that's playing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter the song that's playing. He made us to worship Him. We owe it all to Him. Jesus died on the cross for us. He took all of our sins and He carried all of our burdens so that we didn't have to. And the least we can do is worship Him. And I believe that churches were made for worshiping God. But so were car rides, talking to friends, strangers, uh, a trip to the gym. So just don't let a building confine your faith. Because we aren't going to change the world by going to church. We have to be the church. And it doesn't matter where you are when you realize that you're constantly consumed by an all-knowing, all-powerful God. Yeah, I really hope this message touched all of y'all as much as it touched me. So, thank y'all for listening.
Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God gave me two words for my message. <laughs> Second wind. And I know myself and everybody, we're in this race called life. And we're running, we're pressing on. Like Paul's talking about, we're pressing on, we're pressing on. And then things start getting hard, things start coming in the way, we start having obstacles, we start slowing down. And so the word God spoke to me was second wind. How many of you need a second wind in your life? So, I think it was about a week ago, I was, uh, I just, I just really, I really wanted to go running. So, I went on the trail, and uh, I was walking for some time, doing some random things, blah, blah, blah. But, at one point, I was at this place in the trail where I could look, and I could see very, very, very far off in the distance, uh, the opening of the trail, which was like the end of the trail. And, you guys know what I'm talking about, the trace by the school, and so I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got this. I'm going to run and I'm not going to stop. And I'm just going to go as fast as I can. Like, I'm not even going to slow down. And so you, you know how it goes. <laughs> so um, I take off running. And I'm feeling it. My heart's pumping. I'm sweating. I'm just like, this is awesome. I feel like I'm flying. And then I get like halfway. And then I'm just like, gasping for air like I'm about to die and I'm like I'm just like stumbling like this and stuff and I start slowing down and then usually doesn't usually God isn't like so encouraging on my physical activities but he's like don't stop keep going and I'm like okay <laughs> and I just like press even harder and in that moment it's like I hit a six second wind and I just took off and I was going, I saw the end of the trail, I was getting closer, it was getting harder, but I was getting closer, and it was getting harder and harder, but I was getting closer and closer, and then finally, I reached the end. Yay. <laughs> so, our life, you know, our life is referred to a lot in the word as a race. And we are running a race, every day you're running a race. Every day is a race. Every moment, every step, it's part of a race. And I don't know about you guys, but I get really, really tired some days. I get really, really tired sometimes. But God calls us, like Paul says, to press forward. And so I want to encourage you guys. Is anyone, does anyone need a second win? I want to ask that question. Okay, if you need a second win, I want to tell you what that second win is. It's the Holy Spirit. So, it's the Holy Spirit. And so, I don't know which of you really, really, really needs this word. I don't know which of you is really, really feeling like you're just dragging on, like you can't go on. You see the end. You might see the end and you're like, I know, but every time I keep on going, it just seems like it's farther and farther away. And I just can't get to it. It never gets closer. <sighs> Press on. 
I want to encourage you to press on. And she was talking about worship. Kobe was talking about fear. Each of those things tie into this because this word that he gives, he says, I am not attained all this, but still I forget which is in the past and I press forward. So whether you're facing fear and you're just becoming afraid over a situation, God says, press on. And whether you're, uh, you, she mentioned, uh, you might not feel like you want to worship. You might feel like in your, in a place where you just feel so heavy. You feel like you can't, can't lift your arms. You can't raise your voice, press on because you guys worship is a weapon. Worship is worship is what you use, especially when you don't feel like it is when you need to do it the most. Because it's in the moment that you worship and you begin to acknowledge God that heaven begins to act in your life. And so, who who wants a second wind? Let me ask that. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just flood this room. If you wouldn't mind, if you want a second wind, just stand up and lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need to be able to run this race. We need to press on to the goal. We need to press on for our callings. We need to press on for our families. We need to press on for those who are around us. We need to press on, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know we can't give up. Holy Spirit, we know that we need to keep on. We need to move forward. We cannot stay here. Holy Spirit, give us that strength. Give us that second wind. Holy Spirit, we need that second wind. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, carry us forward. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us. Strengthen our legs. Strengthen us in our bodies to be able to keep going, to be able to grab hold of everything that you've placed in front of us, to be able to grab hold of our callings and to be able to move forward. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we need you. We can't live without you, Holy Spirit. We can't live without you. Holy Spirit, give these people a second wind. Right now, Holy Spirit, just begin to invade in their lives. Completely invade in their lives. Just take over. Holy Spirit, we need you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. We love you. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know what it is, what, what exactly, what kind of path you're looking down. I don't know what, it, what the goal is that you're trying to attain. And I don't know where you're at in that run. But can I just encourage you? Press on. Just press on. When you feel overcome by fear, press on. When you feel like you can't worship, press on. When you feel like you can't get up, press on. Because that's the Holy Spirit that strengthens you to be able to do that. Begin to dig into the Holy Spirit. Just spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to just strengthen you. Kobe read the verse, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
Press on, press on. Don't give up. You can't give up. Don't give up. Press on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that we have hope. We have a hope. Satan, he tries to make it seem like everything we're finally able to attain through the cross isn't even there, but it is. That's our hope. Jesus Christ made a way. He made a way for hope. He made a way for life. He made a way for us to press on. You know, sometimes we, like I said, we get caught up in obstacles, and a lot of those obstacles happen in our minds. A lot of those obstacles are in our thoughts. And I think it was probably over, it was over a week ago. I, uh, I had a vision I wasn't expecting, and it kind of put me off guard for a second, because it kind of scared me. <laughs> but it was this really nasty snake. It was just the the head of the snake. And its mouth was open like it was going to bite. But there was something weird about this snake because this snake wasn't just this one big snake with one head. It actually had multiple heads on each sides of its body. And so it was its mouth was open a strike. And then God said, This is death. And I was just like, Wow. And You know, I'm like, why are you showing me this? (laughs) But his very next sentence said, he said, but I've cut off its head. And so, so that can be alarming news for somebody. It's like, oh my gosh, there's a snake and it's death. But thank God he never stops with this is death. He says, but, but I've cut off its head. You know, we, uh, we had to attain righteousness through the world through the law, but Jesus Christ came. And so now we have a new covenant. So there's always a button. That's so amazing. I love God. (laughs) But, um, so he said, this is death, but I've cut off its head. So he showed me to where that big main head, it was cut off. But then the thing was these, these heads on the sides, they kept on talking. So even though this head was cut off, these heads were still talking and they were saying lies and they were, uh, They were just whispering things to try to make you think that it still had power. And the thing is, God told me these heads have no power. Because the head has been cut off. The head's already been cut off. All they can try to do is deceive you. And so, if you're you're dealing with those thoughts, you're dealing with those things, those lies, those deceptions in your mind that are telling you, you can't do this. You can't make it. You know, it starts off small, like, oh, you, uh, you, you can't, you can't do that one little thing right there. Like you can't, you can't, uh, make it to this event for some reason. I don't know. Just random, uh, example. But then it becomes, oh, you can't be enough for your spouse. And it becomes, oh, you, uh, You just can't do these things that God has called you to do. And you'll never be able to do them. So Satan knows that death has been cut off. But he wants you to believe that it's still there. He wants you to believe 
that he still has power over you. So when those lies come, when those thoughts come, know they have no power. Know that they have absolutely no power. Absolutely no power. So press on. Just press on. Just press on. Just press on. I can't emphasize it enough. You need to press on. You need to press on. You need to press on. You can't give up. You have to press on. You have to. You have to press forward. God has a calling on your life. God has so much in store for you. God has something beyond your wildest imagination just for you. And something that will impact those around you. Something you can never come up with on your own. It's beautiful. You can't quit. You have to press on. You just have to. I just want to encourage you guys to press on. That was really good. I brought two Bibles despite having all my notes on my phone, so maybe it'll just give me bonus points or something. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Uh, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our what? Is it okay if I give mine? Okay. So, oh, I wish I had a calendar. We need to do some time traveling. <laughs> uh, it wasn't wasn't yesterday, Tuesday, and it wasn't the week before then Tuesday, but the week before that Tuesday. Whatever day that was, the 14th? Yeah, 14th. started on the 14th. I fell into a lot of disappointment and a lot of discouragement. And it just opened the door wide open for the the most irrational fears that I've ever experienced. And it was that week alone, that, that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to Saturday when we had David Cuppet, was so full of fear, so full of discouragement and disappointment to the fact that I had mentioned this on Sunday night after the David Cuppet service that I didn't know if I really believed in God anymore. Cause like, how could I, if all of this was happening, my entire world was falling apart in front of me almost. And, but that Saturday night with David Cuppet, well, there was such a move of the Holy spirit. It, 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 it brought me back up. It gave me new life. And, and that was incredible. And there was an entire, uh, an entire awakening within the youth. And that day was incredible. And I gave my testimony on Sunday night and, God was just so good. And that's where my testimony had ended for most people, but it continues with Monday morning being so heavily attacked and so completely succumbed to fear and and just this heavy depression, this weight of just, I'm not good enough, this incredible... I don't even know what to call it. It's just, there was this heavy, heavy attack on my life. And it was to the point that I was considering taking my own life. Because I couldn't live like that. I would describe it, I would literally describe it as torture. It was completely awful. But that Monday morning and continuing on, God was speaking to me and he was showing his faithfulness to me and he was bringing me people that were that were showing me 
his his love and his healing power and so i made it through that day and and i just i was good i was good praise god i was good but i was continuing on and on monday that's when all of that occurred and so i was good i was good i was fine then on wednesday i was you know still recovering from from all that I had been going through, all the, the heavy attacks that came on Monday. But on Wednesday, God gave me a word that I wish I kind of wouldn't have heard because it made me really scared at the point at that time. But uh, he told me, he's like, listen, I'm going to depart. And I was like, please don't. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't need that to happen right now. He's like, listen, I'm going to depart. And I didn't know what he meant by that. But on the first day of ramp, that Friday... At the very end of that service, there was a single point in the message that completely opened the door to all that God was telling me about when he said that he was going to depart. Uh, the, uh, the pastor was, was talking about uh, uh, when Jesus had gone up to the mountain and he was, uh, he was transfigured and all of that. Uh, he began to tell the disciples about when he was going to die, and the word was decease, but uh, what the word actually meant was depart. He was going to depart, and he just, the, the pastor had gone on telling about how uh, when Jesus came, he came to be like a new Moses to lead an exodus from, from slavery and bondage to sin, and that's when God highlighted, he's like, I'm not leaving you, I'm leading you in an exodus. And so that's what God had spoken to me. And so I was like, cool, when does this begin? And I, you know, I was getting a little bit here and then and every, every now and again, but it was just weighing on me. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what this exodus is. I don't know what this means. But I just was trying to trust God and then, you know, with him, you know, he gave me this revelation, but there was, it felt like there was something missing. And so then the door to fear was open just enough that all that I had experienced the week before tried to come right back in. And it was, it was crushing me and, and everything that I didn't want to do, I found, I found myself doing, and I was just increasingly angry with myself. And the enemy was working so much inside of me because... <laughs> He knew God was really trying to do something. And it brought it all back to, uh, to yesterday whenever I, I had a breakthrough moment where I was, I was with my mom and she was praying over me and she was like, we need to get to the root of this. And I was like, yeah, I think that's what we need to do. And so I had, I had sat down and in order to, to tear up that root of sin that was in my heart, I had to go back and I had to forgive myself for something I'd done a long time ago. And it was really difficult because I was like, you messed up, 13-year-old me. You did wrong. You deserve this. And then God's like, no. No, you don't. And so I took that moment and I forgave myself. And there was a freedom that, that had that had come into my heart and my everything was lifted off of me and I've just become 
I've just become so full of God's love and, and the fire of the Holy Spirit stirring in me, and I feel it. And I just want to let you know that that when God is refining you, it's going to burn a little bit. That's what He was doing with me. He's been showing me all of this today. He's like, everything that you've been going through, it's for a purpose. I'm using this. I'm using this to burn out all those impurities that were really deep inside your heart. And so, he's just been speaking to me a lot about fire. And of course, Pastor Butch coming here and talking about the fire of God that got me, you know, it was, it was really in me. I really felt it. But the fire and the refining and the purification and all of that, that's what's really been on my heart. And so, I just want to, let's go to Malachi chapter 3. One through three. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. That's what God is trying to do inside of each and every one of us. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Levites were the, the, were the, like the praise leaders, right? Yeah. So, he's saying he's going to purify the Levites. We're, we're all called to praise, so technically we're all Levites. So, he's, pur he's purifying us so that our worship can be pure and the worship that we give to him can be, can be acceptable in his eyes. And it's, it's something that he can inhabit and he can manifest his presence into. So, whenever we're going through times of trial and trouble, it's really just so that he can allow us to be in a place that we can worship him more. Psalms 66 verse 10 is also speaking about being purified. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. Isaiah 64 verse 8 also. You got it? <laughs> Next verse. 64 8. Oh. Oh, no. There you go. And yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. We have always been in his hand. We've never been out of control. We've never been under anyone else's jurisdiction. Anything that happens to us is for the sake of being formed and molded by the master potter. You might not be able to see that when you're in the thick of it. I know I definitely didn't. I know that I was struggling to even believe just the most basic principle of the fact that Jesus loved me. You know, It's not easy to, to see God's faithfulness, let alone praise Him for what's going on. But that was really something that God was trying to tell me. And he, you know, before 
any of this had happened, he was really talking to me about having, you know, a faith outside of feelings, you know, something that, that I can hold on to whenever everything else lets go. And he was just teaching me to to praise, to give him thanks for everything that has come. He, he was uh, just stirring in me a, a heart of thankfulness, despite what I may see, what is in front of me, to just give thanks, because everything is an opportunity for growth. Everything that you face that comes to you, it is... It is from the hand of God. It comes to you for growth. And we have to take it as such or else we might miss out on something God really wants us to have. Something that God really, really wants us to hang on to. As I have learned on the outside of this, and as many of you others have also learned by going through your own troubles, is that God is always faithful. Always faithful. Psalms 40, verses 1 and 2. Yeah, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me, and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Something that I, I just I just noticed when I looked at that is, he doesn't just pull you out and push you and say, all right, get back to it. Go on, go. He, he pulls us out of the pit. He sets you on your feet. And he steadies you as you continue to walk along. Yeah. I didn't even see that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, Psalms 35, or 37, 25. 37, 25. Yeah. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Never, never, never seen the godly abandoned. Never seen the righteous forsaken. Never. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. <laughs> we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. No matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, no matter what happens, God is always faithful. Always. Always, always faithful.